0: Hello everyone, thank you for coming to the cryptocurrency panel. When I made I, 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 uh, I the title for this talk, I actually made the title That represents an idea that currency is just one small iteration of technology that we're, that we're talking about. So uh, the title of this talk and this panel is really uh, Decentralized Technologies for a Regenerative Future. And a little bit about my background, uh, I'm a biologist by education. And uh, that kind of led me into this technology because as I began to study biology, I began to see just how incompatible our economic and governing structures were with our biology. And that also led me into studying anarchist philosophy. And so I I call myself a crypto anarchist. And what that what that means what anarchy means is that it is to be without rulers. And the reason that I think that anarchy is resonant with our biology and with the properties of the universe is because the universe doesn't need a ruler. The universe self rules self-regulates, and so we don't need a ruler. We have everything that we need inside each of us to regulate ourselves and to bring forth our gifts and our passions and build the world based on love and peace. And I think that cryptography and decentralized technologies can be a really powerful path towards manifesting that kind of a society. And uh, I got into Bitcoin in about uh, late 2012 and I began working in the industry in 2013, I've been living off of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for the past five years. Um, And I currently work as a project assistant and communications specialist within the industry. Right now I'm working for a project called BitNation. We are developing uh, decentralized software that incorporates a number of different decentralized technologies, uh, such that we will eventually be able to bring to the market tools such that people can choose to, uh, such that such that people can create opt-in economic governance models. People can create models that they can consent to, and, uh, and in that way we can kind of rebuild our society uh, voluntarily. Ground up and be ready to catch each and every human being as the state continues to fail and crumble away. Some of stuff that I'll be talking about today.
1: Yeah, thank you. That was um, this is great. I'm a soil scientist. So, <laughs> like a soil scientist and sociologist a biologist talking to you about electronic digital currencies and economic systems. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. So yeah, um, that is my background, I've, I've, uh, I'm a permaculture teacher and designer, and so I see a lot of uh, systems thinking and, uh, and how the bigger picture works and how as humans fit into the system. And so uh, a kind of common term that's now being thrown around in the cryptocurrency world is ecosystems, and of the larger uh, pieces all like, fitting together to create kind of a working system, a working model, and um, it's kind of like a, a digital metaphor that they kind of took it to use that word. That was uh, interesting, before we kind of launch into this is, you know, kind of just get like a little hand raise on how many people feel like they have a pretty like decent grasp on uh, what cryptocurrency is. Okay, so you can understand blockchain and things like that, sort of. Yeah, maybe we can do kind of like a quick uh, run over kind of our own little views. I'm sure we have our own little quick memes that we tell people about how it all works. my favorite is, uh, you know, it's, it's basically a uh, decentralized peer to peer banking system, is how it started with Bitcoin. But the amazing technology that Bitcoin is running on is what's called blockchain, which is simply blocks of data in a chain. So they just keep tacking on, tacking on, tacking on, tacking on. Tapping on and it gets longer and longer and longer. It keeps this existing record so that. Uh, Bitcoins can't counterfeit it basically, you can't create one because uh, all the copies of it are stored on every single computer to check each other. So it's a really brilliant system, very hard to hack. Um, and uh, it's, it's created this kind of, of course, popular uh, uh, thing out there that's kind of caught the, the imagination of the populace around the world, and it, it's definitely global. Um, and so, what it's doing is using a certain algorithm, a, a computer program that's running a certain code that kind of mimics, like, um, al- algorithms are kind of mimicking natural systems that try to come up with a code that kind of tells you how, like, you know, rain falls or something on a piece of soil or something like that, and create little code, that, you know, create a computer program that can simulate something like that. So they use these same kind of programs to create, um, like, a puzzle for computers to solve, to make sure that, um, to do some, some checking in this cryptography to make sure that the things that were being recorded and that the computers kind of were like all in kind of created a value to this, this kind of Thing just created out of thin air, and so, so the genius behind Bitcoin and as part of this whole, uh, all these things that use blockchain, is that it um, incentivized the creation of this computer network. So in order to record all this stuff, how do you, what, how do you pay people for the energy that their computer is using? Bitcoin, well, we'll pay them in Bitcoin. So, if you have a computer running on this node that's eating through electricity to try to win a Bitcoin, then it's, uh, if it wins against all the other people trying to win a Bitcoin, then it gets rewarded in Bitcoins. So, it's pretty ingenious way to kind of grow the network. So, it's kind of based on who we um, people wanting to earn something and get something, you know, and create something valuable. Um, but, these spinoffs and all with different kind of algorithms trying to to create a better Bitcoin like something because Bitcoin of course was version one so it does have its flaws the biggest one that everybody notices I'm sure is the energy that it uses so all these computers worldwide constantly trying to do this puzzle are eating through you know basically the energy use of the island of Ireland so like like that's how much energy Bitcoin uses every day um so uh, people are trying to solve that and trying to create different algorithms. And um, one that I haven't created, but I discovered that I'm basing really this concept of Cascadia coin on, is what's called Faircoin. And uh, Faircoin decided to do something different. Instead of creating a different algorithm, they, they decided to create a different way that the computer nodes record the data. So instead of competing against each other, and this, this whoever solves the puzzle first wins the Bitcoin, they create a like token ring system where everybody all the computers in the network take a turn so it just goes from the next computer to the next computer and it goes in a circle. So everybody gets a turn winning in fair point does the computation and it's like super fast. Um, I think I have enough app but I will, uh, if anybody has an Android phone at the end of this, I will give you a fair coin just so you can see how fast the reaction is. Well, I'll give you a dollar fair coin. So, uh, I think the wallet is not on iPhones but you can quickly download it on your Google Play Store and at the end of the thing I'll, uh, I'll kick you down a dollar i got
2: a quick question. Um, so my question is: if you're not in Wi-Fi,
1: if you're not in Wi-Fi signal, uh, can you still trade coins? Does that work? And the system, like if we're trying to you know, look at know out the grid or the Wi-Fi, is there a possibility that you make trades and then it comes in and stores your data at a later time? Is there a way to do that? Yeah. Sure. Faircoin does that. They they've thought of that and they set that up in the wallet system and it'll store it uh, peer-to-peer between our phones and then when you get back to a signal, it'll do the transaction on the one network. Okay, uh,
2: again, I'm not the tech guy, so... <laughs> uh, my focus in terms of cryptocurrency is, and the blockchain uh, technology, is that uh, Each uh, transaction, uh, with the blockchain technology, uh, creates a unique uh, signature of that transaction, which in a sense actually brings us back to what actually uh, commerce is, which is the valuation of uh, exchange based on negotiated exchange at the time. So it brings, brings us back and points us back to commerce being a uniqueness that's related to each person who's involved in the transaction and the actual currency which represents the value which is negotiated in that transaction. Uh, is based on the people or the actual things that are being exchanged. So the difference between fiat currency if you've heard that term, and real currency is that just that point. And that point is, is that there's real currency, there's actually valuation based on uh, something that um, uh, is backing that actual uh, currency that is holding uh, that place for what the value is for what it's uh, uh, in representing in terms of which being backed. Uh, and so that's what's really uh, wonderful to me about cryptocurrency and the blockchain system, is it brings us back to that. And because uh, currency in general, right, uh, is better in the sense in terms of the social uh, reality. When it is based uh, within small groups, nodes, and the value of what is being placed as a holder is represented uh, and produced by that group, versus a larger overall currency, that like fiat currency, where someone else actually dictates the value of that, and then we uh, compare what we have to that dictated value. Everybody with me on that? So, um, for me, that's uh, where the algorithm that uh, is uh, 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 underlying all of the cryptocurrencies is trying to get to. It's trying to get to a, uh, a model that actually will allow us to have valuation be uh, at the point of um, exchange, shall we say, or at the point of negotiation, rather than having it be centralized, right, where something like a centralized bank can dictate what you actually Uh, what is valued in your currency system, what the placeholder is that's being used, right? So in actuality, currency and and social science is anything, anything that actually has holds place for value, right, in an exchange. And so cryptocurrency is just an electronic uh, model or an electronic money, right, that is used Uh, to actually hold that value in an exchange system. So uh, for me, problems right now is that we're actually uh, just basically taking the model of the, uh, in many cases, the model of the uh, uh, centralized currency and creating it electronically, right? And then actually still using the model that is problematic in my mind. Uh, we need to create an algorithm that actually breaks us away from centralized currency and creates very, very much decentralized, smaller node uh, experiences uh, that we can then uh, interface together right, uh, to actually uh, create a network of Cryptocurrencies and so if you will. Uh, I think that's kind of where I'll stop and then we'll keep going. Uh,
0: excellent. Well, so I'll keep this kind of short since we're just kind of going over what a, what a survey of, of the technology is. And I, I am somewhat of a tech guy because my job requires that I work closely with developers who are actually building the technology so that I can communicate it to the public who uh, eventually end up using this technology. And so the best the, the way that I like to explain it is, is start off with a reference point. We're all familiar with the Internet. We've all experienced how much the Internet and, and computer technology has revolutionized the way that we conduct business, the way that we interact with each other. And uh, and we've also uh, seen the ways in which uh, the the infrastructure of the internet has kind of uh, has certain limits and potential to it. Uh, the way that it's currently built. Um, so the you know the, the internet currently is, is structured in such a way that that all of the data that's accessible to the internet is hosted on centralized servers. I mean the vast majority of, of information on the website or on I mean, the vast majority of information on the internet is hosted by companies like Amazon. Microsoft, Google, uh, and, uh, and Facebook, I mean, these, these huge tech companies, and it's all centralized, and what that means uh, for for the, for the people who use it, is that there's a single mm-hmm. point of attack, a single point of attack on that network, and uh, in, in, in that way it's easy to control who has access all kinds of information that are available through the network. It's easy to control, um, it's easy to, to extract data from it to return data to you to program how you behave. How you support. centralized infrastructure uh, that is the internet is, is um, essentially serving the benefits of the existing power establishment so where decentralized technologies and encryption come into the picture is is like this uh, instead of instead of having that, the majority of the internet and all the information stored on it on centralized servers that we access from our devices uh, we're building essentially what are supercomputers a blockchain is a supercomputer it's a supercomputer that exists in thousands of places throughout the globe. The Bitcoin blockchain is, has a copy of the, of the Bitcoin supercomputer on thousands of nodes across the world globe. And what that means is that it can't easily be taken down. If You take out one node, it doesn't matter. There's thousands more. Uh, and that, that also introduces an incredible levels of security. And, uh, and then when you couple that with encryption, what you have is an ability to allow end users of this network to have unprecedented control over their data how that data is used, and you can also have more control over how you use that data, and uh, and there you can intelligently design systems that coagulate that data in such a way that automate the functions of your uh, localized economies and your localized government systems. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially the, 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 the nutshell as far as explaining what the difference is between what we currently have and what we're moving towards we're moving towards, towards a technological infrastructure that returns control over our data and, and our personal agency to the user and removes it from the people who control the centralized infrastructure the giant tech companies and the state who, uh, <coughs> who are also part these tech companies yeah thank you for that it's awesome um this is great and i'm on the same wavelength
1: um, I guess I'll uh, I'll dive into a little bit what I've been dabbling in with the uh, solar cryptocurrency and then I'll uh, segue into the Cascadia coin idea and then we could transition to your concept while it's basically the same thing. Um, So I came across this solar cryptocurrency thing because one of my uh, land partners is a, he bought into Ethereum, it was like $5 a coin, and uh, so he was basically living off of it and loving it. Um, as the price went up. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, this imaginary thing. I'm like, what well, do you even buy with it? You know, oh, Amazon gift card. Okay, you're just like, feeding into the Amazon. It's like, what the hell? Are you, use? Like, you know, they're getting a little service fee too, aren't they? Oh, no, yeah, okay. And uh, no, you get to order everything off Amazon. And uh, as the cardboard boxes started piling up, I was thinking, like, what, you know, what's the, uh, where do I go like, the, like, the, like Store walk into like a seed bank and like buy something with like cryptocurrency and he's like oh I ordered this new shift card through Coinbase oh okay. shift card what's that it's a credit card it's a debit card for my cryptocurrency account like, so let's see this so he uh, we walked into Home Depot and just like right to the credit card machine and he's like what with the three I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, okay, this is real, this is actually, like, you can buy something of value with this. And uh, so it kind of got my mind going and I really wanted to, like, learn what this was all about and I really just dove in deep and, like, you know, get into how the whole thing works. And um, and then soon realized that if we're going to build this system and we're going to have all these nodes in a supercomputer, it's going to use a lot of energy. And so I started looking into alternatives to, uh, to the typical Bitcoin uh, algorithm and all the spinoffs thereof. And uh, tried to see if there was uh, something kind of we were talking about where instead of it being like a fiat currency, because basically it's mimicking fiat currency right now, it's like fiat is, is, uh, is willed by God. Is, and, like, you, it, it is just created and you believe in it. And, and that's, what, that's kind of what cryptocurrencies are um, for the most part. And so uh, there's a, a foundation and a company and they have different kind of spin-off affiliates called SolarCoin. It's the first one I came across where they were trying to create a value asset base, like a gold standard for cryptocurrency. And it was like this, like, oh yeah, this is it. This, if we're going to be paying for our, to run our computers based on kilowatt hours. We're paying our energy company kilowatt hours and you can then generate kilowatt hours of electricity. You're creating a standard to run all these cryptocurrencies that require computers and electricity to run. So this company, uh, SolarCoin, Came up with this, um, and they've been doing this for years now. This is like, they're, they're I think in like year three or four already, and they've already plugged into a microgrid in Brooklyn, New York, and ran a test example of solar coming off of people's roofs, and then they meter it. They measure how much solar electricity you're producing, and then you're paid a kilowatt hour, or theirs is solar coins, but they pay by the megawatt hour. So it's kind of built for like industrial solar, industrial. Like megawatts of energy. To get like a megawatt is like two big rooftops, like two big household rooftops would be like a megawatt. So it's it's quite a bit of solar power and and panels and, and infrastructure investment. Uh, and you're producing 150 megawatts, so you're only getting 150 solar coins, and right now they're only 26 cents a piece. So you see it's like, okay, well, you're not really creating that much value. But what they're hoping is to create like a standard so that eventually it'll become worth more. But they have um, an issue that a lot of these have where, where a lot of these cryptocurrencies are being treated like the stock market. And so a lot of the investors know about old techniques that were like banned and have been like, in this kind of like black market cryptocurrency trading that popped up, they've kind of taken advantage of it. And things like pump and dump schemes, kind of a common term of where they'll they'll you know a lot of people are nodding their heads, yeah, they, they understand. But they're, they they uh, buy a bunch or sell a bunch together at the right time to plummet the price, and then they buy it back up when it's low. And sell it when it's high, and uh, they make a lot of money. But it like uh, creates instability in the, in the coins and the and value of those. Like the people's belief that they're actually a get value of it. And solar coin is actually uh, a victim of that behavior. And so, as I looked in, into this stuff and kind of saw where it was going, I uh, jumped in with this uh, company called uh, Kilowatt Hour Coin. And they were trying to create one based on kilowatt hours that were more for like residential, and create uh, basically decentralized microgrid systems because. You think about this on the bigger scale if you have solar power and you're feeding this into your right now you're feeding it into the grid that's how you're going to exchange the actual energy with other people someone's going to use your excess solar energy basically so this is trying to create like kind of like a uh, commerce system between this between the people producing the solar in a peer to peer kind of decentralized way and people using it and they're buying it off up instead of having like pay their energy company for the kilowatt hours they're using but this is right now still based on the grid it's still based on the big power lines held by like pg and e and it's being transferred over long distance which is highly inefficient and so what this is is it's basically a kind of like incentivization of trying to create microgrids trying to decentralize our power system which is like the most powerful thing we can all be doing is like taking the hands out of the power companies and putting it in our own neighbors' hands and exchanging energy in excess and use with our neighbors as closely as possible. And now this is all made available with other technologies like lithium ion batteries and um, things like that where we can actually store the power and use it when we need it. And so all this kind of got me into thinking about an old economic system that I had come across when I lived in the Bay Area called Bucks. Bay Bucks was an exchange system, it's a trade barter system between businesses only, so you can't just buy up Bay Bucks with US dollars, you can't just have an exchange, you have to have a business or do something, you have to produce a a good resource or service, and then you you start out with 500 Bay Bucks, so everybody starts on an equal footing and then that gives you something to buy other people's services and it allows anybody who joins into the system to kind of like start feeding into the system and exchange back and forth. And and it's like there's nobody at the top like getting rich, like holding a bunch of A-Bucks, you know, there's like with some of these cryptocurrencies, like the people that start them hold on to a majority of the coins, hoping that the value will go up and that they're gonna make the most from it. And um, they've been accused of some of the pumping and dumping. And uh, so this system, um, a bay Bucks, I thought, well, how can we apply this? And this is when I found out about Faircoin. This is when I came across Faircoin, which also has existed for years. And Faircoin is based on a cooperative system. So the price doesn't just go up and go down according to how many people buy them. They only release a certain amount of coins on the exchange at a time, so you can't flood the market with them. And the people cooperatively decide on the price of the coin. You, as a member, as owning coins, can say how much in the with everybody else in a democratic voting system which i think is also the amazing part about what bit nation is trying to do and um i signed up like three years ago with bit nation and uh i was like how are they, this this is something maybe you can answer too is like i was thinking like how are they going to solve the whole double id id like getting two wallets or multiple wallets or multiple votes like what's the me of getting multiple Faircoin wallets and then having like three votes you guys want to get one zero, one wallet and uh did that with the was it notary publics you have to go to a notary public and then you have to show them your id and then you can get, get, get like a bitcoin passport basically Bitnation passport sort of we actually had a
0: with Bitnation's uh, notary program, you didn't actually have to go to a physical person who was a notary. Uh, the technology took care of that itself. Sure. Yes. Close to my mouth. Thank you. Um, yeah. So uh, Bitnation's notary pr- program was used in the uh, the Estonia e-residency program. I don't know how many of you heard of that. But uh, a number of years ago, Estonia decided that they wanted to open up residency and access to their government services anywhere, whether or not you've ever visited Estonia or not, and they were allowing people access to this digitally, through the internet. And so they partnered with BitNation, and they wanted to use our notarization services, and, people, and so in this way, uh, people could notarize their do- their citizenship citizenship documents with Estonia digitally uh, from anywhere in the world and become a resident of Estonia and achieve access to their governance services without having to see anyone, uh, without having to see a notary in person, without ever having to go to Estonia. Um, how would this compare? Do you know
1: about proof of importance? Uh, proof of importance? Uh, the more you use the currency, the, the more likely you are to receive uh, rewards for helping some people. Yeah. Uh,
2: actually, the, the coin that we're creating called Bruce actually is the, a coin uh, for the festival uh, that actually is based, the algorithm is based on three different things and the three different things are to ensure what you were talking about the valuation is based on what we do and uh, and how we do it and how much we do it right so there's three basic um, uh, items or three basic units that create a coin and the coin base grows based on the the development of those units by the actual community itself, versus uh, uh, fungibility, which is uh, what he was talking about when he's saying the only thing that makes a dollar valuable is the fact that it's exchangeable, just the mere fact that you can somebody somewhere in the world that may want it, right? Versus <laughs> something that is. Uh, unitizing it and creating value because of something that's being done or because someone actually needs something that that thing represents, right, and so and I'll go into detail with this in my other talk later because I don't want to take too much time up, but uh, we actually, uh, contribution is the first unit which you were talking about, uh, about the other uh, fair coin is that you have to contribute something that then will be wanted, right? So uh, you have to contribute something. So in the festival world, as you see, <laughs> we all contribute things to the uh, to the events called festivals, right? And if it's something that's not wanted, like uh, a bucket of crap, uh, it's not going to have any value in the system. <laughs> but yeah, we might want the bucket of crap. It depends if we have pigs or whatever. But. <laughs> But you get the point, right? So everyone has to contribute first. And based on the con- contribution, you get units for those uh, contributions, and the unitization of those contributions is communally designed. Right, everyone decides what this unit is, is uh, you know, what this resource is, uh, how it's unitized so that you get certain amount of units for it. The next unit is use, which means that you can't just contribute something, uh, and you, you can and get units, but you also have to get use units. Meaning, people have to use what you contribute for your for for it to to gain unitization for you, right? So, if you use a lot of say um, uh, hours of building frames or what have you, those are units uh, someone uses uh, that you've contributed, and that use brings you also. Units of measure. And then the last is evaluation units. So not only do we uh, talk about contributing something and that something you're contributing being used, but it has to be evaluated by the community or the people who actually use it. So then uh, you actually get a 100% use, which says, damn, that shit was badass, or you get zero, which says, damn, that shit sucked and I don't ever want to use it again right which actually creates the idea of quality which also is connected to the valuation of your currency so according to in our currency model or our algorithm one unit of contribution plus one unit of use plus one unit of evaluation equals a coin so the coin is your coin base grows Based on this, the community's actually development and use of what they do normally to, uh, to to come together to create this thing called a festival, and you can buy in and buy out of that uh, that uh, currency based on your involvement in the community at given times. And of course, we have the algorithm uh, has penalties for leaving more so than uh, contributing, obviously, because we have to uh, build in things dealing with like inflation and all those other kind of things. And I won't go into detail, but if you want to to hear about that, we'll talk about that later in my other talk. But so there you go. So use is built in while use of the dollar is not built in. Use of the yen necessarily is not built in. What is actually what what we see right now in terms of valuation of of dollars and and other currency is how but volume, right? Is volume of exchange between the currencies. And that's why right now the cryptocurrencies, most of them are perfectly correlated with the dollar and the other exchange markets because they're actually doing the same thing. It's based on how much uh, cryptocurrencies exchanged uh, for a dollar or for another cryptocurrency. And that's not uh, uh, the best uh, value evaluation of any coin or any currency so, sir, are
1: you saying there's three elements to so are you saying that with, with every transaction there has to be three data points recorded so, right. so, so, three score so you're adding a lot of complexity the transaction cost goes up by a lot because now every transaction has three times the evaluation by the by the, the trader so I don't know if that's going give you a more
2: efficient system. Actually, transaction costs are about what's extracted from you, right? So, uh, when you are building a currency, or a currency coinbase, like we're doing, based on those three things, the currency coinbase is rising, but at the same time, when you utilize the, the coin for exchange, so if we are at a festival and you're utilizing the Bruce coin, you're, the extraction is only, uh, Uh, coming in that form, right? Uh, Versus if you are in a regular currency system like the dollar system, there's more extraction costs because you're dealing with uh, a a centralized system, so like banks. And uh, uh, when you exchange, uh, uh, when you, right now, when we we are, say, a business at the festival, I'm not just exchanging with people or businesses at the festival. I, every time I do something here, I have to actually get a cost from the bank. If, if someone uses a visa to purchase something for me at the festival, the bank extracts uh, a cost with the use of that visa. And then when I go to pay you, uh, a festival, I'm the festival organizers and I pay you uh, for being a part of the festival. The bank is extracting costs when I pay you, right? For the administration of pay, all those things. So actually by having a coin which we only exchange with each other and the extraction, the extraction is only at the point of the, of the point of uh, our exchange in our own node, there is less transaction costs. Does that make sense?
0: Okay. Hey, 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 can we maybe like do questions at the end or something? Okay. I just want to keep this on track a little bit. All right. We'll save the questions for down <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, we, we definitely want to leave time for questions, We just kind of want to keep this flowing, flowing in, in, a, in, a, in kind of a structured direction a little bit. How much time we got left? Oh, we're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay. So we're kind of drifting That's towards kind of towards uh, <laughs> dialogue. Uh, articulating, you know, the model that we're moving into, and, and, and I feel like there's some, you know, we kind of, Ryan kind of touched on some of these elements, but I feel like it's important to revisit where we're currently at, because where we're currently at and how we interact where we're currently, at, how we interact with uh, with the current state of things will determine the extent to which we can manifest the thing, the things, uh, the kinds of systems where we want to end up. And so there's some a, a couple of important things to note about where we're currently at with cryptocurrency, and. Uh, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been in, this, in this industry since late 2012 and I've seen it evolve over time. And when I first got into it, in order to get Bitcoin, you had to, have, you had to do a peer-to-peer transaction. There's no other way. You either had to know someone who already had Bitcoin or you had to know someone who was mining it or you had to mine it yourself. And that's kind of what the or- original idea of this whole cryptocurrency thing was, is to establish a, a means of peer-to-peer cash transactions that were anonymous and private, cryptographically secure, and what's happened over the years, as Bitcoin has gotten, gotten more popular, is the establishment has taken note of just how disruptive this technology is. And, uh, and what I've witnessed happen is, is is the on-ramps and the off-ramps between cryptocurrency and the dollars get more and more regulated and more and more co-opted. And so, uh, the way that we interact and the way that we acquire cryptocurrency and other crypto assets right now is going to lay the foundation for where we can go with this technology. And so, essentially, what I'm getting at is be you know if you're going to if you're going to get involved with this stuff, be very tactful and careful about how you get involved with it. The primary avenue by which people acquire cryptocurrency right now is through Coinbase, which is a company that receives a lot of money from huge Silicon Valley tech firms, uh, Wall Street investors. And in uh, the report, and they're giving all your information uh, to the IRS. Not
1: a good idea. And so,
0: um, essentially, if you're buying cryptocurrency through Coinbase, what you're contributing to is a model wherein cryptocurrency is simply an, a way to augment the U.S. dollar. And then, if we if we fall into that model, we're seriously selling ourselves short as far as what this technology can do for us. Um, So I I definitely encourage encourage people to, as much as possible, acquire cryptocurrency and crypto assets Uh, peer-to-peer. LocalBitcoins.com is a great great avenue. Uh, Bisc.io is a peer-to-peer exchange that you can use through the Tor network that will connect you directly with a buyer. Uh, If you have an Android phone, there's a Mycelium app that has a local trader feature where you can connect face-to-face with people. Uh, if you live in a city, find a Bitcoin meetup. Uh, there's more, likely, more than likely someone at a local Bitcoin or crypto meetup who's going to be willing to do transactions face-to-face. Uh, I live in Ashland, Oregon, and, and actually in Ashland there is uh, there's a gold dealer who will sell you cryptocurrency uh, for a fee. Uh, a large fee, but I mean, it's, it's kind of worth it for the privacy of that transaction. And so there, these kinds of outlets are popping up all over the place. And these are the, these are the kinds of outlets that we want to support because that kind of foundational model as far as uh, maintaining our privacy, our financial privacy as we get into the cryptocurrency ecosystem is going to allow us to retain as much power as we need to build this system out to be a, a kind of like a sovereign, self-sustaining uh, economy that can catch us as the state and, and the existing economic paradigm continues to crumble um and also you know another question that i get asked a lot by people who come to my crypto meetups i hold crypto meetups in, in ashland every friday and uh one of the one of the common questions is how do i get back how, how do i get back to dollars like what do i do about that and uh you know I, you know i i got i have to meet people where they're at you know because right People are getting this narrative uh, from the mainstream media that, you know, this is a profit vehicle, it's a speculative vehicle that people have been using to generate wealth and generate profit and cash back out into U.S. dollars. And that's all great. It's great. Uh, People are getting wealthy through cryptocurrency. Some of them are... um, But what what good does wealth do if it's if it's just existing in the old paradigm? We have to use that we have to keep that wealth in the crypto ecosystem and leverage it to build a new world. So it's not about getting back out into US dollars. So if you have slush money sitting around and you're thinking about getting into cryptocurrency, think of it this way. Only invest US dollars that you can afford to never see in US dollar form again. That's the best way to get into this because when you when you get back off you're sacrificing, you know, unless you're doing a peer-to-peer transaction. You're not participating in the kind of model that we're trying to build. Um, you're, you're you're kind of falling falling into into the paradigm and the model that the existing establishment wants you to fall into. And um, ah, there's one more thing I was going to say about that. it slipped in my mind. Yeah, Here, I'll, I'll let you.
1: Yeah. So this is kind of the part of the amazing thing about this technology is that it's a, it's basically a disruptive technology, and and yet yeah, the capitalist system, Babylon system, is basically an extractive system. It's trying to extract resources and funnel it up to the top of the pyramid, right? Giant pyramid scheme. So the, what we're trying to do is is flip that on on its head and move everything out. Into the more decentralized system where it can be spread out, energy, the the value, the monetary system, and so part of this uh, this centralization of Bitcoin is kind of like what what the centralization system tries to do. It always tries to take things that maybe have power and try to centralize it. And so part of this on ramp, off ramp thing of like Coinbase being the most popular exchange from and to U.S. dollars and the IRS is tracking that, but just it. You don't have to just kind of like give that up. It's a great baby step into this world and introduction into it. But you know, just be careful when you're dealing with thousands of dollars, or you're feeling like hyped up about this or something like that, and you feel like you can use this to make much money. Um, Because the caveat to all of this, this bigger system and Bitcoin being built, is nobody knows who built it. There's the Satoshi Nakamoto theories out there, basically, because nobody knows if it was actually this one single person, a group of hackers, Anonymous, the government, whatever. Nobody, nobody knows who started Bitcoin. So it, it's kind of this like thing. And my favorite theory is there's a guy named uh, Quinn Michaels who's. Uh, He's got this like awesome AI-created Bitcoin theory, where I mentioned at the beginning that uh, Bitcoin kind of is motivated by human greed. So his theory is that the AI in its early forms in 2008 or 2009 figured out a way to like use human greed to create its neural net. So we're basically building Skynet with, with our our, our uh, unstoppable Bitcoin neural network. Yeah uh it's kind of creepy uh he's he's fun though you should definitely check out his youtube video it's it's freaking quinn michaels uh it's it's pretty amazing because i can't really repeat some of the things he says uh and so i'm i'm helping uh, with the solar cryptocurrency build all the solar panels for skynet which we'll have to cloud the sky out later (laughs) uh take down the terminal network anyway uh we'll worry about that later um but Part of this whole system of me diving into, into how we create an alternative economic model and why I really like Faircoin and why I want to base Cascadia coin off of Faircoin is because of this uh, kind of circular nodal cooperative network and so it, it works off of what they call proof of cooperation, it, that's their little term. A lot of these altcoins all uh, develop some sort of alternative algorithm call it a proof of something because the original one was proof of work that's what bitcoin works off of is like how much work your computer's doing um and that's all complicated and fun Uh, but the the system that i'm trying to kind of hybrid adapt Cascadia, cascadia coin is trying to be like bay bucks but in a digital format so right now like american currency is technically a digital currency like your credit card your bank all that sort of stuff and the exchange is this extractive fee that comes out when you want to turn it into like bills and get it out of an ATM machine? You know, charge it. it. Yeah, you know, I want to feel like Give it to somebody without in an anonymous exchange. The irony is that I mean, there's serial numbers on your dollars, but it's it's kind of more anonymous than doing it through Coinbase because that's technically tracked. Even it has your name on it, linked to it, and all that sort of stuff. Now, so. um Part of these, these systems, and maybe we can talk about it in the Q&A at the end, is like how to get around this. You, um, Tor was mentioned as this anonymizing network, and bounces your IP address around the world, the different computers are on the same thing, so it kind of hides like where your computer is and anonymizes it, which is a really cool tool. Um, there's whole systems where you can get a USB card and, or a USB uh, flash drive, and you plug it in, and you boot from that. That's your hard drive, and you can run a totally anonymous system that, when shut, you shut your computer down, everything erases. So nothing is ever saved. It's uh, called Tails. I um, think it was made famous by Ed Snowden. He used that system. Um, but there's all like the cryptography kind of aspects of it. Um, and where I want to try to go uh, and wrap it up, as far as like, my part, is um, this whole idea of, of Cascadia coin. What I'm trying to do here with this like, Faircoin network piggyback. They actually allow this. They already have this thing where you can make your own localized versions of it. Um, and I want to ask a question. How many people know what bioregionalism is? Alright. Has anybody heard of Cascadia in general? Like the word Cascadia? So this is a a bioregional concept, so what this means is Cascadia is kind of redrawing our borders. The existing national borders were kind of drawn in straight lines across the earth arbitrarily based on nation states wanting to, you know, draw them through rivers, through lakes, you know, separating natural sort uh, resources in half. And uh, bioregionalism kind of takes this concept of watersheds and realizes that all these people in this one local area share this one resource, this is where the water falls and falls down into this one area. And when you piece all these together, all these watersheds kind of face this bioregional, they all kind of have the same plant, same climate, same weather. And so you kind of get this natural grouping of localized areas, and since we're trying to get to more localized energy use, food use, commerce, and we we bring it in closer and bring it in more and more local, more peer-to-peer local exchanges, we're getting more value. There's there's less energy loss, less value loss, and you're you're getting awesome food that's you know more trustworthy. So everything kind of piggybacks on itself on on its own goodness. But this is this is. Um, Basically, localization. So, we're talking about how to localize our economy and, and present this alternative so that people have something to go to. So, that the, I think one of the main issues with Bitcoin, the reason that we're trying to create alternatives, is that people hold on to their value, they hold on to their money. They don't actually use it as a medium of exchange because the value can fluctuate so rapidly that I don't want to give you a Bitcoin now because tomorrow it could be worth less or worth more. So, um, so, this is why I got into Faircoin because it's actually more of a medium of exchange because the value stays so stable because everybody cooperatively agrees on it, it you're more likely to exchange it with people, which is why I to give anybody that wants one a dollar in Faircoin. And you can give me a hug in return or something if you feel like you need some like trade value back.
2: Sweet. Uh, I think uh, what's really the key word for me in order to try to grab what my piece of it is worth. It he said, you know, what people think their dollar is worth or what people think their currency is worth. And, and I think uh, right now we've been duped to think that worth means at the, what moment its value is based on the market value, which again, uh, I said before, is based on how much volume it's been used or exchanged uh, into something else, right? And that's not really what worth is. Worth is really... In our book social science what is its usefulness is and, and uh, what people really who are actually using it at the user at the end user point right actually see it um, as as uh, a something that's useful or something that they basically uh, give value to so money in itself is not has no inherent value those pieces of paper that we use or those uh, coins that don't even have silver in them anymore, but have the, uh, the, the value of the valuable materials has been extracted by our wonderful government, right? Uh, don't have value in itself. It's us believing that they have value that actually the centralized system is banking on, right? To, 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 make a, to use banking a better term, right? They are banking on us actually using them. So, like he says, the goal is not to change back to dollars, but to stop using dollars and to create an alternative to using dollars. And all of us sitting here want us to do that. And I want you to do that by first understanding that you, your exchange, those peer-to-peer network exchanges, are where value is created. right? And we need to create that value and then don't give it up anymore. We need to basically say, hey, uh, this is an exchange that I'm going to have with you. And, and there's a difference between direct exchange, where I'm saying, I'm giving you something, and you give me something right away. Because that's where the extraction costs happen a lot. Right? But instead, think about generalized exchange, where what he's saying if you Uh, take that slush money and put it into, you know, a cryptocurrency and not think about it changing into dollars again. You're actually thinking in a generalized exchange way. That's basically somewhere along the line this is going to help all of the people who are a part of an alternative system where we don't have to use dollars and get constantly extracted the resources out of our pockets, right, or our communities. And that's really where we want to go as a social scientist, that's what cooperative, uh, self-directed community models are all about. And that's what I think uh, is important in terms of understanding why cryptocurrency has to be developed in a way that's going to take us out of the uh,
0: centralized model. Okay, I remember what I was going to say at the end of my last... Speaking opportunity. I just wanted I, I wanted to draw your attention to the fact that, uh, or to the idea, of the possibility that uh, people who who are selling Bitcoin right now, more than likely, you're selling it to a bank. Think about that. That's one incredibly powerful vector by which the existing establishment can kind of co-opt this technology and its potential uh, to bring about a better world by buying it all up. So if you have Bitcoin, don't sell it because you're selling it to a banker. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you want to use it as a, a form of currency, do it in peer-to-peer peer form. Uh, don't sell your crypto to a banker. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. Uh, with that said, uh, I'm going to give my little my little spiel about what Bitnation is doing. It, it plays off the back what uh, what Doctor Life here said he's doing with his project uh, quite quite a bit. Um, and it's it, the fundamental component of what Bitnation is doing revolves around a technology called smart contracts which is a kind of code that lives on a blockchain and, uh, and it's, it's essentially like a conditional set of code. So if, for example, if conditions A, B, and C are met, then uh, acts D, E, and F happen. And so you can kind of code actions and interactions into these contracts that uh, you can consent to, that, that parties enter in, entering into these contracts can consent to. And you can look at the code and and audit it and verify that it's going to do what what you want it to do, and it'll do it. And so this is the fundamental technological component of what BitNisha is building. And what we are building is a, a software application that will allow people to create, uh, economies, which we're calling nations, but it's really just an economic structure, and you can customize your economic structure to meet the needs of your community and who you want to attract into your economy or into your nation. And then you can also implement government go- or governance uh, modalities into it. Uh, there's, you know, there's right now we have a few template options as far as governance modalities that you can implement into a nation. But uh, as as the software gets built out, you'll be able to customize that, and you can also customize your enforcement mechanisms um, that exist within your economies in it, within your governance structures. And then we have a reputation system which is a lot like what uh, what Dr. Light was talking about a, a few minutes ago. Uh, where there's there's three different aspects to the reputation system or actually I mean there, there's three right now in our white paper but we're building out five and it's really interesting because what this, what this token system does is it incentivizes people like right right now think about what the primary motivating factor in our society is the, the primary motivating factor that's leveraged by the state is fear and so uh, you know someone isn't necessarily the motivating factor is fear of what might happen if you do this thing that the state says is bad. But the repercussions don't actually come to you until you've actually already done it. So it's kind of really a, a weird, twisted motivational principle. And so what we're trying to do is build systems that incentivize people beforehand to act in such a way that people are gonna like, that's gonna benefit the whole and reward that kind of behavior. And so we're, uh, we're tokenizing reputation. So if you're an individual and you're gonna have an interaction with someone and, and it's a positive interaction uh, you get a token for that. If you're uh, a nation and you've developed a, a really solid governance model and other uh, new nations like that and they see that and they want to replicate it, you get rewarded for that. If you're an arbitrator in our system uh, who's kind of handling conflicts between people and you do it efficiently in ways that people like, you'll get rewarded for that. And so those are the, pre- the three primary uh, tokens that, that, are, uh, that exist within our platform. And they're non-tradable because you know, think about what would happen in a system if you could if you could sell your reputation. It completely defeats the whole thing, right? So you can't sell your reputation. But once you uh, accumulate a certain amount of these reputation tokens, you can exchange them for money. You can exchange them for a token that is tradable. And then, and because that token is tradable. It's all, it's the token that's required to pay for services within the platform and it's also the token that is uh, rewarded to people for participating in the platform. So we're creating a closed loop economy. What you get in gets put back into your, what you extract or what you earn from your economy gets put back into it. It's a closed loop economy. And then also we have two other ways to tokenize interactions. Uh, one is proof of salvage and one is proof of weft. These are, these are sewing terms. So, salvage is kind of like the stitching at the edge of the cloth that holds everything together. And the weft is the substance of what's been sewn together. And so if you're uh, a nation or, or an individual that's demonstrating interactions that prove to be foundational, to your nation, you know, maybe you're maybe you're offering security services for your nation or for your community, and and, and the citizens of your nation really feel like that's a foundational component. And
1: there is uh, altcoins like Sexcoin and things like that that are meant for something like, for the industry and other alternative companies that are extremely web-based. Um, and then the reason I actually got into this whole idea of piggybacking. backing Cascadia coin onto Faircoin was because of an example of what happened in uh, Catalonia. So in Spain, the revolution that was having there in Spain was fueled by uh, this uh, alternative currency called Ecos, E-C-O-S, that was this uh, kind of Drupal platform layer on top of Faircoin. So it was, it was Faircoin creating a local Because they realize if there's ever going to be a breakoff or something from that centralized banking system and government, or if uh People in alternative economies, like sex workers, are gonna ever be able to like go down the street and buy food. There's gonna be house It has to be the local businesses where they are exchanging and taking that. And I want to make that clear. Like that should be a very important point that people should take home. If you have a business or thing like like her booth and, and stuff like that, that's extremely important that people actually take cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know that they believe in or that are like you know. Or enforcing these kind of ideas. And right now, like she's exchanging Bitcoin because that's
2: the most popular, and you can basically exchange Bitcoin but anything else. So. Quick, uh, I, I, my point to that would just be, um, I am a believer that we cannot just use the cryptocurrency to actually change the, the political structure. But we need to, as cryptocurrency owners and people who are involved in Alternate currency notes come together as a block to actually do political change. Right. So we right, we need to actually That's use not this. Not as, not as political not power. We're coming together as a community to solve the problem. And it sounds like the work that you're doing and the work that you're doing. We have plans.
0: Yeah, we have plans. Cylons.
1: Yes. All right. So I'm going to make this question as simple and universal so it applies to as many people as possible. Uh, system that needs multiple tokens. So you describe number of tokens. In my case I need an equity token as well as a exchange token. Should that be on the same blockchain for both the tokens or should the two systems be on different or two or more systems be on different blockchains?
0: Uh, functionality such as what the is building should be blockchain agnostic because um, you don't want to you don't want to corner your user base into choosing a specific blockchain uh, you want to want to give people choice um, that's essentially what this is all about is allowing people to to, to seize their agency. And so that that to me extends towards building out platforms that allow for people to choose which blockchain they want to interact with. And so that's what BinAship is doing. We're building um, software architecture that's blockchain agnostic. Right now we are building on Ethereum. Um, but when, when other blockchains such as EOS, Tezos, of, uh, build out smart contract functionality and get to a point where we can integrate, build on them, we'll be ready to do so because that's, that's kind of like a cornerstone principle of, of anything. Uh, you know, and, it's, and it also makes sense in terms of decentralization. I mean, we don't want to have any kind of centralized load on any given blockchain or on any given platform. It's important that there's a distributed network of viable and thriving blockchains and other decentralized networks available to people. We, uh, even though they're fundamentally decentralized, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I mean, I, when, I, when you asked that question, I was thinking, you know, in terms of a coin, in terms of the different tokens or the different unitizations that we were talking about, and that being on different blockchains, encryption, different encrypted blockchains, um, I, I, at first I was thinking, you know, well, the, the, the attacks happen mostly in terms of the interfaces between the different systems, and so to have your uh, different units on different systems would make it in some sense less secure because more vulnerable to attack. so if you can create a, a blockchain that encompasses your, uh, your entire algorithm and does what you want, I would not see why it would benefit you to split the units onto or the, the tokens onto different blockchains.